0: Welcome to the Bloom Your Mind Podcast, where we take all of your ideas for what you want and we turn them into real things. I'm your host, Certified Coach Marie McDonald. Let's get into it. What is up, my wonderful friends? Welcome to episode number 31 of the Bloom Your Mind Podcast, which is all about obstacles, And how we can see them as the way forward when we're working through anything. So y'all, it's our Bloom Girl summer here. (laughs) And so far, we have worked through a series of topics on these episodes this June. About how to turn your idea into a real thing. We've talked about coming from the realm of possibility. Using that blue sky thinking and idea generation. Some of these tools that are found In the Venn diagram between the coaching world and design thinking world. And then last week, we talked about setting goals that light us up and turn us on. And today we're going to talk about how to anticipate the shadow side of moving towards anything that we want, how to even rub your hands together and welcome the obstacles that will inevitably get in our way, fails, the obstacles, and just how to know That those fails, those obstacles are how to make progress. Fails are the way forward. The obstacle is the way to evolve. Goals show us what's blocking us so that we can work through it, overcome it, and in doing so, become who we want to be. Before we get into that, my daughter, we were walking in a bookstore the other day, and my daughter reads unstoppably. Y'all, I'm talking... Wakes up in the morning, turns on her light up in her bunk bed. She's reading a book. Like the house is dark. I'm up usually. And then sometimes she's up just reading. She's a kid who will be like walking to the car, putting on her shoes, reading, walking to the car, super slow reading. Getting into the car with one hand, not looking at the door handle. Like where's the door handle patting around pat, 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 trying to find the door handle to open it. Because she's reading, putting on her seatbelt while she's reading all day long, all day long. Second, I pick her up from school. Mom, are you picking me up from school? Okay. Make sure that you have my book in your car. Like my husband and I have to trade off her books. If a different one of us is dropping her off and picking her up and then she hops in the car, she's reading the book. You get it. So we're at this bookstore the other day and she sees a shirt and it says book Nerd." And it's got these flowers all over it. And she just looks at me with these giant eyes and I just nod at her and smile. And we get this shirt and it's her first shirt. That's like an adult size shirt. You know, they didn't have it in kid sizes. They had it in adult small. And so she comes out the other morning, yesterday morning, and she's wearing it looking so like grown up. She's almost 11 now. She's super tall, almost as tall as me. And she's got these bell-bottom jeans on with flowers on, this book nerd shirt tucked in. And she's just feeling herself. (laughs) And late, she starts accessorizing. Later on, I see her. She's got a headband on, a choker on, a scrunchie on one wrist, bracelets on the other wrist. And I was just so struck by her own vibe, her own style, her walking into that bookstore and knowing that shirt was made for her. And I was thinking about my son and he is super into baseball. He's six years old, so into baseball. He has been to one baseball game ever in his life and it was a week ago. And that was like three months after he got really into baseball. The guy wears a baseball shirt underneath a jersey, underneath a second jersey with a baseball hat on right now. He wakes up first thing in the morning and he's like, When can we play catch? He's eating his breakfast. And as like the Cheerios are dropping out of the spoon, he's like, are we going to a baseball diamond today? They're just so in to their own style and the things that are lighting them up. They have this freedom to follow what lights them up and to do it, to wear it, to be it, to enlist others in it. Yes, yes, yes. I'm all about it. And that is the spirit of what I want all of us to channel. We stop listening to that. What's lighting us up. Is it baseball? Is it books? Is it blooms? What you got? Let that be an inspiration to you to listen to that little voice. It's lighting you up. I love it. All right. (laughs) Let's get into these obstacles. Okay. So there's this book by Ryan Holiday. And it's called The Obstacle is the Way. And ironically, I just got out of coaching a session right before I'm recording this podcast. And the person I was coaching, the clients, he said to me, you know, I'm reading this book by Roland Holiday. It's called The Obstacle is Something, The Obstacle is... Something. And I just pick up the book from sitting next to me and I put it, you know, we're on a Zoom meeting and I lift it up. He's like, that's it. So, you know, people know this book. It's a book that people, people read because this is an, you know really old methodology of thinking it came from Marcus Eurelius and um, philosophers like Seneca. It's an age old art form of turning problems into solutions of seeing obstacles in front of us as opportunities to create a new strategy for a new path forward that wasn't available before. This again is, um, A tool that is used both in coaching and in innovation, both of these fields, that really helps both the mindset of people who are turning ideas into real things and also the actual actions that we take in the face of challenge. Because we've lost some of this tradition of seeing obstacles as opportunities. We blame everyone, (laughs) we blame our jobs, we blame time, we blame our age. We blame traffic, we blame politics, we blame our bank accounts, we blame somebody that has a bad attitude or is acting in a wacky way because of their own unhealed parts, and then we just join them in that drama instead of understanding. We blame our own imperfections, we blame our lack of skill or experience. We have learned helplessness in the face of obstacles, but we can unlearn it. We will always face obstacles, physical ones, emotional ones, even just perceived obstacles. And we'll deal with them in different ways, depending on what they are. But when we begin to adopt this mindset that obstacles are our way forward, they become the very oxygen that fuels the fire of our commitment to the thing we're trying to do. And that is how Holiday explains them in his book. So I'm going to share three different points about obstacles and then share two different ways that you can deal with them, depending on if they're emotional obstacles or other obstacles that are like based in skill, experience, physicality, time, whatever. And so we can really deal with those in two separate ways. But I do want to say that if you're interested in this concept, The Obstacle is the Way is a wonderful book. And I do notice that a lot of people don't actually read it. They just are like, "Oh, yeah, I get it. I get the philosophy and I highly recommend reading the book." I am going to pull on a couple of concepts from Holiday's book, um but specifically from his first section of the book. It's really based in mindset and perception, and he goes on to do a couple of other sections of the book about action and going going on into kind of taking it to the next couple of levels. So I recommend there's a lot of depth and a lot of good stuff in this book and a lot of historical examples. So pick it up if you want. So the first of the three things is that I want to focus on separating out when there is an obstacle or perceived problem in front of us, whether that's something that we are anticipating in the future or something that's right in front of us, that we separate out the emotion from the thing that we're observing as a problem. So we can ask ourselves, is this really a problem? Or am I just perceiving it as a problem? Do I want it to be a problem? Is thinking that it's a problem helpful to me? Or is this not actually a problem? (laughs) We very rarely just stop to ask ourselves that question. Okay. So then... We're going to separate out what is the actual problem to solve versus the emotional experience I'm having. Those are two different things. And that way we can pull it apart and say, here's the emotion that I need to process. And here's the problem I need to solve. It's okay and necessary to emote, to feel, to process the emotions that we have. You can go back to one of the episodes called, uh, your feelings are a superpower. Feelings are super necessary, totally necessary. It's necessary to process them. If we don't, they actually build up and become a destructive force in our lives. I was just describing this earlier to a client today, a different client. And I was saying, Hey, you have this opportunity. I was teaching her tapping techniques. And I said, You have an opportunity when you have this big, overwhelming emotion to process it in the moment, to tap to feel into the, into the feeling and tap and move it through you. And the way I like to think about this is like when you're in your bedroom and you take off your clothes from the day and you're changing processing an emotion in the moment for me is like hanging up those clothes and putting them in the laundry or doing whatever I'm going to do with them, putting my shoes away, tucking everything back away rather than leaving it on a pile on the floor. That's going to pile up and pile up and pile up with all the other emotions I'm not experiencing. So I have a big old pile of hand washing and (laughs) shoe polishing and ironing and laundry and a big old pile of dirty, stinky laundry to deal with. And my clean stuff that's all wrinkled up from being on the floor that I have to put away. But if we just process it along the way, then we've processed it show up but we've gotten a little bit cleaner and clearer. So we don't have as much shoved down to process later. So it's okay to do that. And it's important not to confuse emoting and letting ourselves process our feelings with solving a problem. They're two separate efforts that require different tool sets. Emotions are somatic and they require a physical somatic processing. We can practice now feeling that process of identifying what the feeling is that we that we're having if you want to work on that there's a great book called atlas of the heart that i've referenced before by brene brown it goes through all of the human emotions many of them that are commonly occurring to us to help us identify those it talks about how much healthier our emotional lives are when we have more fluency and can name more feelings can express the nuances of different feelings that we're experiencing Sometimes processing those emotions requires using unconscious mind techniques and tools to rewire our neural pathways, use hypnosis, hypnotic techniques that engage our neuroplasticity, that neuroplasticity of our brains to rewire our pre-programmed triggered responses. I like to, to think of that process like when you're watching a spy movie and there's like a spy And she's descending, okay, let's say all wrapped in black clothing with goggles on and gloves. And she's like descending from a rope down out of a skylight in a ceiling past all of these blue lasers that are protecting something and they're shining in all these different directions. (laughs) And she's trying really hard to like contort her body and do like air yoga so she doesn't trip any of the lasers. But if she does trip a laser, then an alarm's going to be triggered. It's going to go off and the room's going to shut down. And that's what our brains do too. When we are triggered, we sort of shut down. We have an emotional response that stops our progress, just like that spy. But we can get into our minds and rewire our brains so that they're not triggered by the same things over and over again. And our goals are amazing ways to do that. They are vehicles to show us where our brains need some rewiring because as we're moving forward towards a goal, we get triggered. And then we zoom in on those triggers, and we're like, okay, that's just not a not just a problem to be solved. It's also an emotional trigger that's blocking me. So I need to kind of get in there and do some rewiring, some deep work through some meditation, some hypnosis, some therapy, whatever you need to do with that. And and that. Process can also involve just managing our thoughts on a conscious level, which is fun and magical and doable and sometimes hard. And then rewiring that subconscious trigger, which is also fun and magical and sometimes hard. And problem solving is the other part of it. So we've separated these. I just talked about the emotional part of it that requires processing on the conscious and unconscious levels. And then the other one is the problem to be solved. And that's often just reason-based. It's like, what tactical changes do I need to make? What are the skills I need to develop? How do I need to come at this from a different angle? What are the steps I need to resolve the thing that's blocking my progress? So that's the first thing that I want to say about obstacles is to separate out the emotional part from the problem to be solved. Now, the second thing is to focus on what we can control. And I'm sure that you recognize this in, um, from many, many different methodologies of thinking. Um, but whenever we focus in on what we can control. So we talk a lot on this podcast about how we cannot control other people. We can We cannot control circumstances out there in the world that are happening. We can't control what other people think, what they say, or what they do. But we can control what we think, what we say, how we feel, and what we do. And the most important part of all of this, as it pertains to today's topic, is to control our perception. How are we perceiving the obstacle in front of us and what way of perceiving it will be most helpful to us moving forward and through it and towards our goal? So that's the second one is focusing in on what you can control. The third thing that I want to just offer to you is not to get caught up in other people's perceptions. So that's a huge obstacle that many people face is the obstacle of buying in to other people thinking something is an obstacle. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) I've said before that thoughts are contagious. We human beings, we're making everything up all the time. And most of what we're making up is based in that 95% of our brain that is unconscious. That 95% of our brain that's operating based on old wiring and programming and socialization, all the roles we identify with, people and experiences that taught us how to be a person between the ages of zero and seven. Okay, let me take that again. So I've said before that thoughts are contagious. We human beings, we're making everything up and most of what we're making up is based in unconscious thinking. 95% of our brain is unconscious and we're just thinking things that are based in old programming. And our brain can't tell the difference between facts and thoughts. So we think that everything our brain is saying is true. We believe it without questioning it. And we offer up those sentences that our brain comes up with to other people in all different forms. We do it through the things we say, our body language, and how we dress, how we treat ourselves, the things we do and create. And then, like someone sneezing across a room, those automatic pre-programmed thoughts, they're contagious. So someone else hears this automatic thinking that we're not really questioning, but we're communicating to them, and their brain treats it as a fact, and off we go. In a whole made up contagious universe where we're making up meaning and catching it from each other, whether it's helpful or not. So you can see that it's really important to pause and ask ourselves, do we really want to keep thinking those random things our brain is offering us? So we want to pause and develop the ability to notice what our brain is seeing as an obstacle and question it before we spread that to other people. Specifically in relation to obstacles, if one person perceives something as really hard or challenging, perceives something as a reason to stop, ah, that's just impossible. Or this is something we got to spend a lot of time on, or this is going to be super problematic, or this is scary. Any of those things. That's just their perception. So if you hear someone say something like that, or even call something an obstacle, Then it's our sign to stop and think, okay, that's what their brain is doing. Is that how I want to think about it? Because as we look backwards through our lives, most of the time, we will notice that almost every obstacle that we faced in the past has become part of our path forward to becoming who we are. For me, I had an eating disorder in my twenties that just nearly took me out. I was under a hundred pounds. I was very sick from it because I had been eating, nourishing my body so very little. But as I look back, healing from that became my path. Having that very eating disorder became my path to unwinding a bunch of internalized trauma I had lived through as a kid in my teens. And before that, I took a good five years to just rewire my brain. Learn how to trust my own instincts, my own reason, my own sense of right and wrong. And I learned how to stand up for myself and for other people when harm was being done. It became my path forward. Wouldn't have traded it for anything. I have a client that is actually going to, I'm going to interview her on the podcast soon because she's so amazing. She had a terrible, paralyzing fear of public speaking. When she first came to me, she said, I feel like I'm going to throw up when I start talking. And she was invited to facilitate a conference for 2,500 people. So she hired me and she said, help. We worked together for six months on this thing, on the obstacle of her being terrified to speak in public settings. And uh, last weekend, she texted me after the first day of facilitating the conference. And she said, I nailed it. It couldn't have gone any better. Now she's interviewing on multiple podcasts. She's a well-acknowledged thought leader in this area. She's gotten tons of connections from doing that facilitation. And she's saying yes to other public speaking events. This has become her new path forward. Because every obstacle is a strategy in disguise. Every obstacle literally teaches us how to get where we want to go. Each one becomes a milestone in the story of how we got to where we are. Some teach us what to do with our actions, and some teach us what emotional and psychological things we need to walk through or be with or process. So I'm going to give you some tools. I already talked to you a little bit about the emotional stuff. Um, When we find an obstacle in ourselves or a block that we need to move past, it's really important to know that nothing has gone wrong. That's what's supposed to happen. Goals are there to move us forward and to show us the unhealed parts of ourselves to work through. People talk about those as layers of an onion. So if something triggers an emotional response, it just means it looks or sounds or reminds you of something painful that you've lived through in your past. And it's an opportunity to process that feeling and that experience using somatic tools and unconscious mind work. And we're not going to get into that today. But I've got plenty of tools for that in my, in my own library, in my own head, and in many other podcasts that are on this series. So check them out or reach out to me. And secondly, for the obstacles that aren't emotional, there are two different types of them. One, when we are moving towards a goal, we can stop and anticipate the problems that might show up. Remember, problems are just opportunities. If we never had buzzing alarm clocks that woke us up in such an annoying way, we never would have invented the quiet, beautiful, melodic ones. If we didn't have the problem of needing water in our homes, we wouldn't have come up with running water solutions. There are infinite examples of this. So, when we are about to start out on a project, we can identify all of the obstacles that might come up. And every one of those is just a strategy waiting to happen. So we can list out the three to five big obstacles that might come up and come up with a strategy in advance for each one of them. Could be a mindset obstacle. It could be a skill gap. It could be something physical. We don't have enough money or time, but we can come up with a strategy for each one of them. And then that very series of strategies becomes our pathway forward. So that's what to do when you're anticipating strategies in advance. And then when they just pop up and you're not expecting them, first, ask whether it really is an obstacle. Or is it just something that someone else is seeing as a problem? Secondly, if it is an obstacle, ask, is this a challenge to solve or is it creating emotional pain? If it is, you separate those into two pieces, the emotions to process and the problem to solve. Then look at the problem to solve and think, is this obstacle actually an opportunity? How might this obstacle actually be the way forward? How might this turn into a strategy and an opportunity that wasn't there before? What strategy can I put in place to address this obstacle? Because each obstacle can become the path forward that we walk to our future. So this week, think about the obstacles that are in front of you and the goal that you're moving towards and go through those steps of identifying what are the strategies. Take that again. How might each obstacle just be a strategy waiting to happen and have fun with it? That's what I've got for you today, and I will see you next week. Thanks for hanging out with me, friends. If you like today's episode and you want more of them, please take two minutes right now to subscribe and give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Then send this episode to a friend. See you next time.